Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Red Flags, the podcast where we talk about solved crimes, unsolved crimes, and crimes in the DMs. I'm Karina Michelle. I run the TikTok page at Daily Two Crime Minisodes. And I'm Tori Telfer. I'm a true crime writer. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Onision and the dark side of the influencer world. But first, there is good news in the true crime world, which we always love to see. Finally, yes. So... On January 19th, the DNA Doe Project revealed that they have finally identified Sumter Jock and Jane Doe. What? I don't know anything about this case. Okay, so... Catch me up. I think everyone at some point goes through a Crime Junkie podcast phase, Mm -hmm. and they actually did an episode on the Sumter County Does. Okay. In the early hours of August 9th, 1975, in Sumter County, South Carolina, a man heard a car and gunshots from his home, but he didn't go out to explore what happened. Mm -hmm. Later on in the day, a truck came across the bodies of a male and a female that had been shot several times. When they were both found, it was believed that they were siblings because they kind of looked alike, but... Through DNA testing, they proved that there was no familial relationship between them, and they have been unidentified since 1976. Really? Yeah. And then yesterday, it was revealed that through genealogy, they were able to figure out who these people are. They were identified as 25-year-old Pamela Buckley, originally from Minnesota, but was reported missing from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and... 30-year-old James Frond, who is originally from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but he was actually never reported missing by his family, but now he has been given his identity back. And do we know anything about how they knew each other? 
No, so this is something that police are trying to put together. They're not from the same state, so it's really strange how they were able to meet each other and get together. So they're still not even sure if they really knew each other at the time of their death. When you say by genealogy, was this kind of what they did for the Golden State Killer? Like they yeah. used some of these ancestry websites or mm-hmm. something? Okay, yeah. cool. I think we should do an episode later on where we kind of deep dive into Jane and John Doe's, how those cases are worked on and how mm-hmm. they're able to be solved, because it's really interesting. The information about being from Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, I'm not sure if that's something that they got from their identity because there's also this test called an isotope test where Mm. they can test parts of your body like your bones and your organs and depending on the type of food that you ate or what water you consumed they can tell where you're from oh yeah i've heard about that it is amazing how granular they can get about these Mm -hmm. types of things but very cool I know. I I thought that that was so interesting because it's something that I never thought of that they can trace everywhere that I have lived just from the water that I've had and the food that I've consumed. Everywhere that you've lived or just the past place? I think they can kind of trace where you've been because, I mean, I that'd be kind of cooler. To be honest, that would be cool. I've lived so many places that <laughs> me too. I'm, I'm skeptical but intrigued. I always say that, like for me, it would be water, Puerto Rico, New mm-hmm. York, Florida, food, just Taco Bell, like nothing else. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. We can't. She appears to have spent her life in fast food mall courts. An unusual woman. <laughs> I like Taco Bell's potato tacos personally. Oh, me too. Thank you. They are the unsung heroes of our fast food nation. (laughs) Anyway, on to more serious topics. I wanted to tell you about a podcast I've been listening to for forever, but she just released an episode I'm really into. So this podcast is by Rebecca Sebastian, um, and it's called Dialogue. That's D-I-E hyphen a log. Her slogan is kill the small talk. And it's basically a interview podcast where she has conversations about the true crime genre with people. So it gets kind of meta. It's right up my alley. So she'll talk to, um, I don't know, like lawyers, um, other podcast hosts, people who are involved in crimes. She's interviewed people like Steve Hodel, who thinks that his dad was the killer of the Black Dahlia. He's a controversial person, but he that's what he says. Um, like Patrick Hines from True Crime Obsessed, if you listen to that podcast. She interviewed David Rudolph, who was the attorney for Michael Peterson, who was the guy in The Staircase, if you followed that case. So if you follow True Crime, her guests are going to thrill you. And I don't mean to be extremely self-centered, but I was the first ever guest on her podcast. So if you scroll way back, You can find Tori of a few years ago talking about female serial killers. (laughs) I also want to add to follow her on Instagram because she's not only super nice, but she actually does this thing where she hosts true crime trivia. Mm -hmm. And if Tori plugged her thing, I want to plug mine. I am a proud (laughs) winner of her true crime trivia nights on Zoom. Um, it was super cool. My team was called the Murderitas. So shout out to nice. Taylor, Kendall, Charlotte, and Nana. It was a lot of fun. And it's really hard. Like the questions are actually really hard, which I appreciated. Yes, yes, yes. Her trivia show is called Yellow Tape True Crime. 
And now that we're in a pandemic, you can do it from wherever you are so anyone can join. Um, But I wanted to tell you about one interview she did recently that I was really into. She talked to Rebecca Lavoie, who's from the podcast Crime Writers On. And this interview was like three levels of meta because... My friend Rebecca's podcast is meta, and then Rebecca Lavoie's podcast is also meta. Her podcast talks about, basically, they review true crime podcasts and shows, and that might sound really boring, but it's really interesting, I promise. Rebecca Lavoie has been in this true crime game for ages and has a lot of opinions, and I wrote this down so I could read it to you. She said, I am so tired of getting the question, why does true crime fascinate people? I don't know, because every freaking interesting story fascinates people. And I, I too, am sick of getting that question. I get that all the time. Why are people interested in female criminals? And it's like, I can come up with a big reason that like feels like you know, intellectual, but mostly it's because the stories are interesting. I found it very refreshing of her to just acknowledge that there's no moral judgment on that. You know, it's just like humans are compelled by compelling things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) period. And these extreme stories are very compelling. And that's why we're interested in them. And we don't have to spend all day like wringing our hands and being like, but really, why? You know, I found it kind of liberating. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Spring is officially in bloom here in the Northern Hemisphere. And with a fresh season underway, you might be seeking your own transformation. For some, that means a new approach to weight loss or nutrition. Noom has a unique approach. Noom is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. It's built to meet you where you are because Noom understands that no two people are the same. Noom stands out to me because it offers a holistic approach to well-being. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey. 
I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself you should. What's more, Noom believes in nourishing rather than restricting. Noom can help you lose weight while still enjoying your favorite foods, because this approach is about eating well and treating your body right. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Today, we're going to be talking about a huge saga in a world people don't always know enough about or understand, the world of social media influencers. So Onision is a YouTuber. His real name is Gregory Jackson, but he kind of made this alter ego for himself so he could post videos on YouTube. His videos are quote unquote comedy skits because they're very uncomfortable to watch. They're very misogynistic. And in a lot of his jokes, it's him beating up women and shooting them. He went viral for this video that he made where he was dressed as a banana and he was singing a song that said, I'm a banana. It's very 2009 humor. At the time, just to give you an idea, he was making around $30,000 a month for these videos. Mm -hmm. And at the time, he was married, but he began talking with a 17-year-old subscriber of his called Shiloh. Okay. He ended up getting a divorce, and I hate saying the word dating because we know that this is so inappropriate. He was Mm -hmm. 24 years old at the time, Mm -hmm. so it was definitely not an appropriate relationship. And he even looked up where Shiloh lived to see if it was legal for them to sleep together. And when he found out it was, he flew out (sighs) to see her. Yeah. And she was 17. She was 17 at the time. that's so gross. Mm -hmm. And he still doesn't see issue with what he's done. Like, he doesn't see how that's a problem to him in his mind. He was being responsible Mm -hmm. by looking first to see if it was legal. Mm. That's kind of how he justifies it, which is really gross. to be tracking if things are legal, I'm just going to side-eye you. Just to kind of fast forward a little bit, after this, around six other of his followers came out to say that they had also been groomed by him and reached out to him and that he made inappropriate comments towards them when they were underage. Wait, so when was he doing the grooming and then when did people come out? Did they come out recently to say that he was abusive? No. So they came out to talk about it in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And he was doing this for years before that because he's been around for a long time right yeah discovery plus just released a docuseries on onision called onision in real life onision on youtube has over a million subscribers Mm -hmm. but since these accusations have come out against him his videos are totally flopping so a video usually when someone has a million subscribers you will have around five hundred thousand views and he only gets around six thousand views Okay, But since he has started making responses to the documentary, his views have kind of gone back to 35,000, 10,000, around that range. Who are his fans? Are they people who are younger than him? Yeah, I've seen a couple of them on Twitter, and they do seem to be younger than him. A lot of people in the YouTube community 
have been exposing him for a while and are completely against this type of behavior, so it's not something that he's celebrated for. He labels himself as the most honest YouTuber, so I feel like if someone is kind of sold into that idea, they do believe what he's saying and how he justifies the situation. Hmm. And something that the documentary emphasizes, which I think is such an important aspect of it, is when you start making jokes about something as serious as grooming an underage girl or an underage boy, this is a way where you kind of desensitize people to it. Mm -hmm. So in his videos, if he makes inappropriate jokes about an underage girl, this can desensitize whoever's watching it to if it happens, it's kind of normalized now. Or he can just hide behind, like, I'm joking, I'm silly, you don't understand humor, you know. I I think a lot of people do that kind of Mm -hmm. switcheroo. It's like, why are you taking it so seriously as a joke? It's a way to hide predatory behavior sometimes. Yeah. We should note that Onision has denied the allegations against him. Mm -hmm. And I think that followers, viewers, subscribers, depending on the platform, whatever term you use, are sometimes in a very vulnerable position because... Celebrities, to me, seem unattainable. Mm -hmm. Like, they're kind of this almost figment of your imagination until all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you hear their music or you see them in a show or in Mm -hmm. a movie. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, this guy's great or this woman is amazing. But with influencers, because they are regular people who all of a sudden got this success and attention, they become more attainable and more approachable Mm. that I think puts viewers, subscribers, followers in a very vulnerable position. So they feel more comfortable reaching out and maybe... Yeah, because you still have that vision of idolizing that person, but you actually have a chance of talking to them and reaching out to them. And if you have a fantasy of having a relationship with him, it Mm -hmm. kind of seems more possible. So on January 19th, Onision posted a video titled Thank You and Goodbye, where he officially states that he's retiring from YouTube. He says that the reason why is because he is being demonetized by the platform. I also want to add that the Thank You and Goodbye video is so weird Mm -hmm. because usually YouTube apologies are bad And it's a very vague apology. Mm -hmm. But in this video, he never even apologizes. He still hasn't seen what he has done wrong. And he blames everything on Shiloh and says that Shiloh is a liar, that you can look up videos where there's proof that she has lied. Then he goes on to compare himself to other celebrities who have been accused of the same thing, but that their careers were not damaged. So he mentions people like Harry Potter star, Tom Felton, Johnny Depp, Ellen DeGeneres. And this just goes to show how big he thinks he is in comparison. And we really wanted to take a look at some of the broader issues in this. And for that, we spoke to Alicia Kozak. On January 1st, 2002, 13-year-old Alicia Kozak from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was kidnapped by someone that she met online. She was groomed by a much older man, and her case was the first widely known reported internet-related child abduction. 
she was chained by the neck and she was tortured on live stream. Someone watched the video and connected it to her missing person poster and gave a tip to the FBI. They were able to follow his digital footprint and they were able to find her and set her free. I was able to speak to Alicia about the Onision case as well as the broader issue of internet safety. My name is Alicia Kozak. I am an internet safety expert, a motivational speaker, a victim and missing persons advocate, and an abduction survivor. It's such an important topic and certainly under the category of red flags that when it comes to internet grooming, and I guess there's one thing I want to point out because people ask me, were there any red flags? In grooming, it's really hard to identify those red flags because this person seems like they are your friend. And we can't go around the world assuming that everybody's bad. We'd have no friends. What people don't understand is that grooming feels good. It makes this child or this person feel good about themselves. So when you feel good, those red flags are hard to recognize and they're hard to notice. And that's why we have to teach what those red flags would be and what, what would stand out and to let them know that they could be being so easily duped online. Especially if it's an influencer who you watch their videos because you think you know that person, because you've seen them, you know their life. And unless you know what to look out for, it could just seem like any other friend. Exactly. And the other part of that is, why would they risk it? Mm. Why would they ever risk what they have to hurt you? They must be a good person. They must be put in high regard because mm. they're famous and they're not going to risk that. And, and I think kids really most certainly think that way. As you get older, you realize that people are people and all sorts of people are can be bad people. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or where you are in the world. But for kids, they're just so wrapped up and, oh my gosh, this person liked my comment. Like, it's yeah. just that easy. And now they've got them. And do you think that social media platforms have a responsibility to remove these people from the platform if there are certain accusations? There have been so many accusations. And that is a complicated question because is there proof and how easy is it to accuse somebody? However, people need to be believed and so social media absolutely has the responsibility to respond and to react effectively and appropriately. So if somebody is reported, that cannot be simply ignored. And if there's any amount of proof, which is what we see in many of these cases because they make videos about it, if they're putting it out there themselves, it's very clear and obvious then that needs to be handled. And the thing about social media is that there's always a new platform to jump on, right? We look at Onision and he's gone to OnlyFans and has been horrendous over there and really disturbing, but people will follow that for shock. And that's the other thing is that what's at play here is this need for fame that didn't used to really exist. I think kids used to dream about being a movie star or a model or something like that. But it was like this, this goal that maybe someday or he would be discovered at a restaurant or something like that. But now fame is so important. You can look through TikTok and it's basically people trying to get TikTok famous. Like that's the whole platform. 
Alicia Kozak founded the Alicia Project, which has the purpose of teaching parents and kids how to stay safe online. When I speak to kids, I talk about privacy. And when I talked to them years ago, I would say, like, put on your privacy settings, make sure everything's private. You don't want people looking at this or that. Be really careful. Maintain your privacy settings. And now, like, but I want followers. It's something I've noticed, too, on, say, like, TikTok. You'll scroll through and, and the it'll be out there and the caption and it'll say, like, oh, if my mom sees this, just keep scrolling but they don't care if the rest of the world sees it. Yeah. So they don't want their private world to see it, yet it's okay if the rest of the world sees it. Mm-hmm. So we're losing shyness and that's a good thing, but it's also a really frightening thing. Right. Do you think that there is a way that you can stay safe online while still being so incredibly public? Safety is never guaranteed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do to be safe, but evil can still seep in. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a gas. And so it's necessary and critical to put in safety monitors and really maintain your privacy. So for example, if you're going to post about being somewhere, sure, take the video while you're there, but post it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think about that quite a bit because as somebody who's who's a bit of a public figure and then fights against predators and passes laws that fight against predators. I've gotten some pretty, pretty uh, harsh emails from some scary people Mm -hmm. and even some death threats and things like that. So you have to realize too the consequences that come with being public and putting yourself out there. So Alicia, what are some things that parents can do to help their kids stay safe online? What's really important is to first educate yourself about internet safety. And I know that seems really daunting because if you Google internet safety, you will see a mass amount of emojis and acronyms and there's a new application every single day. And it's a lot, but sit down and start. But next, talk to your child about internet safety. And I hear this quite a bit that, oh, I don't want to scare my child. I don't want them to be afraid of the world. I get that, but a healthy dose of fear is really important. Mm -hmm. If you don't know it's dangerous, you can't protect yourself from it because when it comes down to it, you really do only have so much ability to protect your child. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you put monitoring software on the computer or on the phone and you're checking their, their social media and this and that every single day. Okay, so how do they get around that? They get a different phone. Mm -hmm. There's a way kids are smart and they will find a way. So that's why we have to teach them how to protect themselves and to let them know that they have that responsibility. Mm -hmm. The next and most important thing is that you need to have an open line of communication with your child and let them know that they can come to you with absolutely anything. Your child is likely to be the first person to know that they are in danger. And you need to let your child know that they can come to you with absolutely anything at all that you're eight-year-old daughter, your eight-year-old son can come up to you and say, you know what, mom, I sent a picture to somebody and it was really bad. And now they're being really mean to me. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And you don't freak out, at least not externally. And you sit down, you make a cup of hot cocoa, maybe cookies, and you tell them how proud you are of them for coming forward. Because asking for help is something that is so big. And I think it's something that we don't do enough these days.
Okay, Karina, I have some questions for you because you have experienced something that a lot of us have not, which is, and I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, social media fame. Ew. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It hurts. Yeah. (laughs) But you have like 200,000 plus followers on TikTok, right? Yes. Yeah. I I like using the humble term content creator because the word influencer. Rather than the term I prefer... TikTok celebrity. TikTok celebrity, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk just a little bit about your experience. That's a lot of people watching what you do, and I don't know what that's like. I bet a lot of our listeners don't. So first, I just want to know, like, what's it like? Is it stressful having that many people follow your every move? Do you feel like they could harass you? Do you get harassed? Like, mm-hmm. walk me through it a little bit. It's really weird because it's not like you're a regular celebrity, not that I am, but it's not like you go out in the street and people recognize you. But in this online world, people kind of recognize you and know who you are. It is difficult. Um, I don't get harassed. I I think my videos in the beginning, people did make kind of mean comments when they were trying to figure me out. But I think that people do think that they know you. And people do consider you kind of a friend, which I think can be very dangerous. So I've gotten DMs from teenagers being like, hey, I love true crime. You love true crime. Don't have any friends to talk to. Can I have your number? And then can we talk about this? And to me, it's like, no. Like, so, yeah, it's very strange because you kind of become their friend. It's like, I have no idea who you are, but you know everything Mm -hmm. about me. Or they think they know everything about right, you, right? exactly. Yeah, so what do you do in that case? Do you have to draw boundaries? Yeah, I always say, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, like, this is something really private. Um, but, you know, feel free to comment on my videos and we can talk about the case there. Yeah. Especially when it's someone underage, I just don't continue the conversation. I don't think it's appropriate. It just feels weird to me. So I've gotten DMs from teenagers being like, I'm getting bullied at school and no one understands me. And to me, it's something like I would love to help you. But at the same time, I don't know you. And I just don't think it's right. Like, I think back of my 13 year old niece and I wouldn't like someone that she doesn't know giving her advice, especially someone who's over 20 years old. Like, I just don't think that that's appropriate. So all yeah. I write back sometimes is like, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. I would really talk to your parents about this or your grown up. Yeah, I think you're right, even though it's hard because like I know you and that you're a nice person. And, you know, it makes my yeah. heart ache to think of these poor teenagers reaching out to you. But you're right. It's like that's really a line that shouldn't be crossed, mm-hmm. even if you have the best intentions. Yeah, it's just strange. When you're creating content, are you thinking about your followers and thinking like, I owe them this or I shouldn't expose them to this or anything like that? In the beginning, yes. So when I first started, I had a video get over a million views. And from that, there were a lot of underage people watching true crime content. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I talked about the Johnny Gosh case And Mm -hmm. I decided to put in the beginning a disclaimer saying, if you're under the age of 18, please don't watch this video. This is totally not appropriate. And I got a lot of comments being like, I'm 12, but I love this. I'm 11 and I love this. And to me, that was really uncomfortable (laughs) because it's like, 
I don't think this is okay for you to be watching this, but I'm also not your parent. So yeah. after that, I kind of started switching my content where I would use kind of grown-up words or I would post at times where I knew they were sleeping and <laughs> I would just sneaky. kind of like, I like yeah, I would kind Aww. of make this be like very obvious. This is not for you. So I'm just <laughs> going to like start shifting around. And now yeah. I get their moms commenting, which is really cool. Oh, like yeah. positive comments? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't That's I think great. it's because I'm in true crime. It, it's kind of one of those things where if someone has a negative comment about me, it's like, I just talked about a horrific murder and all you can think about is me. Like, that's really weird. So yeah. there's really not a lot of comments directed at me. Wow. Well, that's a lot of responsibility for you. I'm sure it's, it sounds like you're dealing with it very well, but Thanks. it's definitely not the kind of thing like anyone taught no. you in college, I'm assuming. No. And it's the thing that people also, I, my case is very different because my life changed very quickly. I started TikTok and my third video went viral. It Was that the one with the million? Yeah, that was the one with the million. What was it? It was Kenneth Parks. He murdered his mother-in-law while sleepwalking and he attacked <gasps> his father-in-law. Yeah. Uh-oh. It's a really interesting story. He was found not guilty because they proved that he was sleeping. Oh, I think I remember that case. Yeah, yeah. from Canada. Yeah. So that was the video. So after that, you were like, then you had a ton of followers. Like, Yeah, that's when I got the majority. So it went like zero to 100,000 really quickly. Oh, that's stressful. It's kind of like you're still very confused and you don't know mm -hmm. what's right. And we can do a whole episode on this, but true crime ethics, I didn't understand a lot of it. One thing that I didn't think about was the way the TikTok for you page works is that your videos get sent out to random people. So mm -hmm. I didn't even think that a family member could get this video on their for you page where oh. like for a podcast, if someone wants to listen. Yeah. Like if someone wants to listen to a podcast, you just look the name up. Podcasts just don't magically appear on your iTunes or Spotify. But the way that TikTok works is that for you page, that homepage, you get a lot of random videos. Mm -hmm. And I covered a case of Brittany Ulaki, which happened last year. And it's this 16 year old who was murdered by someone who she considered a friend. And mm -hmm. It ended up on her best friend's For You page. Mm. And I felt really bad because I didn't take into consideration, like, you have such good intentions where it's like, I want to spread awareness yeah. and I want to help and this is going on. And it's so important that we talk about it. But at the same time, I wasn't thinking, like, this is probably the place where she goes to kind of get her mind away from things. Mm -hmm. So I really invaded her privacy by posting this. Did she reach out to you? Yeah, um, she did. And I took the videos down. But then we mm -hmm. kind of talked in in DMs. I wasn't, like, convincing her. I just, like, DMed her to apologize, and I felt so bad. And she was like, actually, I've talked to a lot of people, and we actually think this is a good idea. So she was like, why don't you remake the videos? And she sat down with me and told me how Brittany was as a person and oh. as a friend. And it was a really nice. But after that, I never posted a video unless I asked for permission for the family first. Yeah. So That's when I talked great. about Vanessa Guillen, her family gave me approval to talk about it first. That's really cool. So since you have this role online, what was your reaction when you first learned about Onision? Like, did you have a sort of a personal reaction to the story? As a content creator, it does make you uncomfortable, but it's it's a very overwhelming experience. And it's not a way to justify what he did because it's not right and you have to set boundaries and there's no way of justifying what he did. It's really gross. But there's this instant gratification 
when you start getting a lot of likes and attentions and comments Mm -hmm. and DMs. And I can see from a very narcissistic point of view how those type of comments about people praising you and saying how great you are, how that can be taken to a different level. I think it's scarier because I notice how things that I say change people's opinions. Like someone might think something, and I know I'm just in the true crime world, someone might think something about a true crime case. And because I said something a certain way or I gave my opinion a certain way, it completely changes the way that someone thought about it. Or maybe they thought that someone was guilty of something and the way that I explained it, they don't think that anymore or whatever it is. So when you're in that position, you have a lot of power, especially because Mm -hmm. people trust you and they trust what you say. And again, they consider you as a friend. And unfortunately, with people who don't have the right intentions, it can be a very powerful place to be in because it can be so easy to manipulate someone and to approach them as a friend. And this is a big part of the grooming process is that it feels good. It feels like this person is your friend who just wants to Mm -hmm. talk to you and get to know you. And I think with influencers, you don't have to go through the trusting process or the get to know you process because your followers already think they do. Karina, we've already talked about a podcast on this podcast, so why stop now? Let's talk about another podcast. There's never too many podcasts, Tori. So yesterday, if you're listening to this the day it came out, yesterday, a new podcast just came out. And if I may be so bold, Karina, we're both excited to check it out. Is that true? Very excited. Yes. Okay. It's about the Long Island serial killer, which is a decade-old cold case. Um, The podcast is called Unraveled, Long Island Serial Killer. The co-hosts are Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen, who you probably know from his work on the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is about the Golden State serial killer. And they are diving into this crime that happened about 10 years ago where 11 bodies were found on Long Island and the case still isn't solved and they're basically like, why? Why has it not been solved? Why don't we know who this serial killer is? Yeah, and this is not to be confused with Joel Rifkin, another Long Island serial killer who's serving a lifetime sentence for what is believed to be 17 murders between 1989 and 1993. Yes, it's confusing because there are two crimes that are like attributed to the Long Island serial killer. The older ones, we know who did it, but these 11 murders, we don't know. And that's what the podcast is getting into. You can listen to Unraveled Long Island Serial Killer now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Before we go, we also want to thank Alicia Kosak for being a part of this episode and sharing some incredible tips on staying safe online. And thank you to my beloved co-host, Karina, for talking about her own TikTok experience. If you want to recommend cases for us to cover in future episodes, if you have questions, comments, give us a call and let us know at 888-9-R-E-D-F-L-A. That's 888-973-3252. For more true crime conversations, be sure to check out ID on Twitter at Discovery ID or on Instagram and TikTok at Investigation Discovery. 
And you can ask us questions on our own Instagram feeds, too. I'm at Tori underscore underscore Telfer. And I am at the Karina Michelle. Thanks for listening today. Red Flags is a production of Investigation Discovery and Audiation. For ID, our executive producer is Marissa Lucy. For Audiation, our executive producers are Sandy Smallins and Michael Wolfson. Mark Lotto is our story editor. Ireland Meacham is our producer. And Brad Stratton is our editor-mixer. Theme music by Marty Beller. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.